Welcome to the Guide to Making Money as a Music Producer. I'm Dan Furr, and this is a podcast where we talk about all the different ways that musical creatives have used to earn money. In this podcast, we hear stories directly from industry professionals and learn what worked for them and what didn't work. Most importantly, we discuss how they've managed to carve out a sustainable living for themselves doing what they love and how you can do the same. Hey everyone, Dan Fur here. This episode is all about skills that are music adjacent. Now, what are music adjacent skills? Well, they're basically skills that aren't specifically music, but that can help musicians. In this industry, there are a lot of musicians out there trying to make it, and it can be very hard to stand out from the crowd. One way to stand out from the competition is to use skills outside of music to leverage yourself over others. But how exactly do we do this? In this episode, I sat down with my good friend Sam Steven, and we discussed how we did exactly this. All right, so thank you so much for coming on, Sam. I'm very stoked to have you. I think this is going to be a, a fun episode for really thinking outside the box of how you can make money in, in, in music. And um, so I guess we'll, we'll just sort of dive right into a little bit started. Uh, I want you to give me a little bit of a, just a, a bit of a brief explanation into how you got started, how you earned your first dollar in music, and kind of just a bit of an overlap or an overlay into where you are now and how you kind of yeah, although you know, just a brief description about how you started in the music industry, how you earned your first dollar, and uh, how you mostly make income now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I, I I've been a guitar player since I was probably eleven or twelve years old. Grew up in a musical family, so naturally it was just sort of a thing that happened. Um, and you know, it was really interesting because, as you know, probably uh, guitars go out of adjustment <laughs> and they need to be uh, worked on. And when I was 13, 14 years old, I knew that my guitars needed some work. I had an electric guitar that was a cheap one, but, you know, it was it was decent. Um, I couldn't afford to take it to a local repair shop because all of those guys were way outside my price range. It was like they were charging so much to do it. And so I thought, well... Uh, I could earn a few dollars around the neighborhood mowing lawns or something like that and just go buy some books on how to do my own repairs. And so that's what I did. So I kind of started when I was a teenager doing that. Um, of course, at the time, I wasn't making any money doing it. I was just it was just on my own instruments just trying to keep it. Was more so to, yeah, it was more so to save money rather than make money. Exactly, yeah. Which I guess in a way is making money as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in some way, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know... Uh, I don't know, fast forward a few years and out of high school, I got a job working in a cabinet shop and I did a lot of like, I learned a lot of woodworking and stuff like that there. And I thought, oh, you know, I can, I can apply that to doing uh, musical instrument work. And, you know, fast forward another couple of years, I went and got my first job in the music industry, which was working at, at uh, Carvin Guitars, which is now Kiesel Guitars. I was 22 at that time, um, and so I got hired into the fret department, and that so that's how I made my first dollar in the music industry, I suppose, was getting that job. And I think you know yeah. it's interesting because I didn't really think of it as a music industry. You know, we all have those dreams as musicians that we we want to like you 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 think like a career in music means like oh I'm touring and I'm you know I'm famous and stuff, but. Yeah, or at least making all your money 
by playing. Yeah, I have a number one hit. Your songs are on the radio. Everyone knows your name, and you get money by people buying your albums. Is the bulk yeah. of what you think music, you know, making it as a musician is kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. I I, I suppose my perspective changed at some point because I realized, oh, you know, I'm actually working on instruments for musicians that I admire and musicians that I grew up sort of idolizing, you know, as a musician. So, oh, cool. Kind of an interesting perspective because. I guess from there on out, I just decided, you know, of course, I'd always been a musician. I kind of decided, you know, music is obviously what I want to do, but that doesn't always pay the bills. And this was a pretty good, steady day job. Um, and so from there on out, I just thought, well, any job that I have from here on, I'm going to make sure that it's within the music industry somewhere, whether it's whether it's working at a factory that's making instruments or whatever. Um well, that job, you know, kind of ran its course for me. I got to a point where I wasn't really going to be moving forward anymore there. And, you know, it was time to go. And I I figured out that uh, Deering Banjos was hiring. And so I went and worked there. And they knew about my repair experience. They knew about all the, uh, they knew the, about my work that I'd done before. And I also, by this time, I've got a lot of side business where I'm working on people's guitars locally and all that kind of right. stuff. Right, you just sort of build a reputation over doing it since you were 14. Fix a bunch of friends' guitars, fix a bunch of pals' guitars, and over the course of time, people just keep coming back to you and you yeah. develop a little bit of a reputation, yeah. That's exactly what it was. And and it was pretty nice because, uh, you know, the uh, the bosses came and got me and they and they were like, hey, you know, uh, Nadirang Banjos didn't have an existing repairs department at that time. Um, they, you know, uh, one of the vice presidents and I actually worked together um, to literally develop the department and make it the first ever uh, Deering, dedicated Deering Banjos repairs department. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and so that was pretty cool. I mean, I had a local reputation at that point. So it was kind of easy with, you know, local people, you know, I, I would have some, even some local guitar shops knew what I was doing and they would recommend people to me if they had banjos, you know, cause right. um, it's very like, yeah. you know, banjos is a very like, it's a small, small, uh, P, yeah, you know? yeah, there's, yeah, there's very few people that, uh, that I know that own a banjo. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, but yeah, and that's like that, that and that's sort of one of the prime reasons why I wanted to have you on this show is because I think this is a very, very just perfect example about using, using the skills and, and, and values you have kind of outside of music. And, and like you said, you know, this isn't necessarily outside the realm of music, but when you first got your job, you didn't really think it was, you know, a job in, in the music industry and necessarily in music, but you know, it sort of allowed you to be in, in the thick of the music industry and around musicians for the entirety of your life. And that, is is very valuable, and I know you mentioned you do a decent bit of session music, you know, a, a little bit of session work for um, for various artists as, as well. And the one question I want to ask you a little bit is: Have you been able to get any work um, as a session musician from your repair work? Oh yeah, actually, uh, it kind of goes in circles. It's it's really interesting because I'll um, I'll repair instruments for for uh, artists that endorse during banjos or whatever. And then yeah. sometimes they'll ask me, oh, do you do guitar work too? Yeah, and then, you know, they like my work, so they keep coming back to me. We get to know each other, and then eventually they start saying, well, hey, you know, uh, what music are you doing? Or we'll sometimes, when we first meet even, we'll start talking about that. So I strike up friendships with them. And uh, 
what ends up happening is they they go, oh, you know, if they if they need somebody that to do, you know, my main two things that I get hired to do as a musician are guitar and and uh, and synth bass, you know, because. As soon as people found out I owned a Moog, they were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that, literally, that gets me work on its own. Um, yeah. But, but it's really funny because, yeah, it does, it does go in circles because then those same people will be like, oh, I need my guitars worked on. You know, I need a refret right. on, on a couple of my guitars before a tour. And I'm like, okay, you know, bring them in. And then so it, it really does, it, it is kind of cyclical like that. And I've gotten um, yeah. I, I've gotten gigs, you know. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play this one because it just didn't work out. But I did uh, right. have a Deering artist that was playing uh, a show outside at at the at Nam one year and wanted me to come and sit Ooh, wow. in with him. Um, Whoa, yeah, that would have been exciting. Yeah, yeah, it would it would have been cool. It didn't end up working out, but you know, but that's an example of of the type of uh, the type of stuff that. Yeah, you know. from repairing stuff, you you had an opportunity present itself that would have been an extremely cool show that would have never pre- presented itself had you not, you know, been 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 a banjo repairsman. And it's kind of you know brings me back to this whole idea of you know to make it in, as a musician and to make it in music these days, you kind of need to go a bit above and beyond music and kind of think outside the box of just what is your music skills, but how can you provide value above and beyond music so that people come and come back to you? And, and you know, like, you've kind of found a perfect way to do this. Like you say, it kind of goes full circle. Like, people will come to get you to repair stuff, and then it opens up that conversation to talk, start talking about session work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they never would have found your session work or even had known about it had you not, you know, brought them in from your your your, your repairs and stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, what what it does is it really just makes you seem like a much more valuable asset to the team because they can see that there's a skill outside music that brings them in. And it's really just, you know, thinking outside the box of how can you use skills that are kind of around the realm of music to allow you to be immersed and doing music as a, uh, you know, day in and day out and being surrounded by musicians day in, day out, you know, kind of think about those skills that might be music adjacent Mm -hmm. and figure out how you can use those to benefit you and, and allow you to sort of put yourself in positions where, you know, not only now you're making money from from just this repairs, but these repairs are allowing you to make money directly from music, which is, you know, kind of a direct goal of a lot of musicians. You know, so many so many people dream of doing session work, but they don't know where to get started. But you've kind of mastered that by opening the door by doing something, you know, music adjacent, and that's allowed you to get that session work that you may have not otherwise gotten had you just been a session musician through and through. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it is interesting because uh, I've never gone out and 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 tried to like shop myself out for session work. It's literally every, every bit of, every bit of music work that I do, whether it's sessions or getting hired to play in somebody's show because they need a band member or something. Every single thing Mm -hmm. that I've done in music like that has been word of mouth just by somebody that knew me, not by me actually going out and like, and like going to get it. But it's yeah, but like it saying, is like I'm advertising is that yeah. you're a session musician. It's just been because you've been you've put yourself out mm-hmm. there in other ways. You've provided that value in in other ways that people have then discovered about you. Because it's so hard to stand out as a session musician. And it's so hard to stand out as a musician. But it's a lot easier to stand out when you have those other redeeming qualities that musicians are looking for. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing too is that it's nice um, because it, it also it. It also helps me out with uh, with my band too, because when people, you know, I work on somebody's instrument, 
they might need some session work or they have a friend that does. And then maybe they'll go and like, I get to show them my music. Oh, here's what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty cool too. So it's, it, it's kind of all three areas that I, that I can work in and they all feed each other. You know, of course my band at the moment, we don't make any money doing what we're doing, but right. you know, you're just enjoying the band and yeah. playing music, but, but you've put yourself in a position where you can afford to commit as much time and energy to this band as you want. Even if you're not making money, you can still have it be a passion project and still invest a lot of time because you've put yourself in a position where you're making money through music and other ways. And you're still so heavily invested in, in the industry. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's just a, you know, I think that's just a very exciting, you know, example of just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit about what are some music adjacent skills and abilities you have that can really just provide value and, and make you stand out to people that may want to hire you for a session musician or, or other kind of work as well. And so, you know, I think it's pretty much goes without saying a little bit, but, uh, I, you know, what, I guess, I guess, you know, like I say, it kind of goes without saying, I guess your, your niche essentially in this situation would be, you know, just fixing up banjos and, and, and you do, do, you do also do a bit of decent guitar work. Is it just sort of guitars, basses, and banjos, or is it mostly just guitars and banjos? I mean, um, it, 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 it's, it's everything. I mean, anything that has strings and frets, I'll work on. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. So that's kind of your niche as far as fixing up things. It's, it's any stringed, any stringed instrument you'll yeah. kind of fix up, tweak it up, make sure the action's smooth, make sure the no buzzy fret noises or any sort of unwanted uh, alias in like that in any way. Yeah. And, and well, and honestly, even though like banjo repair is my day job, but get, guitars right. are actually the thing that I know uh, the most. I mean, that's, that's what I that's what I do the most. Yeah. I mean, and all my side work is is mostly guitars. I don't really get that right. much banjo side work, but Ban- yeah, the banjo is just from Deering. But I mean, I guess yeah. that makes sense, right? If you if the whole reason for you getting into this was you were fourteen and you wanted to just learn how to fix your guitars to save money, yeah. it makes sense that you would learn guitars a little bit more. Yeah. And so that brings me to my next question a little bit, and I think I kind of know the answer, but I want to let you explain it in your own words. What do you think were some of the most important things you did to allow yourself to get these opportunities where, you know, Deering Banjo wanted to, to hire you to, to basically create up this repairs department and get a bunch of, you know, personal clients for guitar repairs? What do you think, you know, are some of the most important things you did to get yourself in that position? You know, I would say one of the big things for me is just uh, learning, and this is really hard for some people, um, learning to, learning to be confident in my work, uh, you know, not arrogant, but learning to be confident in my work enough to where I'm, I'm perfectly fine with telling people, Hey, you know, I, uh, joining in a conversation. If I overhear somebody like at a, at a bar or a brewery or something, and they're talking about, Oh, I just got this guitar. I need it fixed up. I'll go talk to that person, you know? And then over time, you just end up building up this thing where people know it's people know who I am, and so they just know. You actually, you actually did that. You like barged in in conversations. You were like, "Oh, hey, I, you know, I actually repair guitars myself." You, you like that's something you did on on a number of occasions, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and not in a not in a rude way, you know. But no, just, no, no, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. not like bar- maybe barging <laughs> is sort of the wrong word to use, but yeah, kind of yeah. just you know a gentle, a gentle peek in and just offer offer kind of a solution to the problem that they're experiencing. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I, I think key things for me too would be just in, in terms of like keeping the work coming back is um, this goes along with being confident in my work, not saying no to stuff just because it's scary, you know? Right. Uh, and, and I mean, I think we can all relate to that, especially even in, you know, in music, 
that's the same thing with session work. It's like, you know, I, it's something might be a little bit outside of my world, but sometimes I look at it and I'm like, you know, that'd be a fun challenge and maybe I'll fail, but then I'll learn something. And that's exactly what I do in the repair world. It's, I'll take on these crates. Sometimes, I mean, I've worked on banjos where it's like, man, this is like, I don't even want to touch this thing because <laughs> it's scary, you know, but at yeah. the same time I'm like, okay, but you know what? If I go slow, I know what I'm doing. I take my time. Um, and I'm smart about what I'm doing. I think I'll be okay. And worst case scenario, I mess something up and then I have to learn to fix it. And then I have another skill, <laughs> you know, Yeah, it's kind of getting into that mentality that, you know, there, there's a way around everything. There's a way to sort of think. You just got to take your time, focus on it slowly, and 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 have confidence in in your abilities. And it kind of comes back to this whole you know concept of of imposter syndrome, right? That pretty much everybody, and especially artists, face. That oh, you know, my skills are not good enough, and and whatever. But the thing that you know, artists specifically and musicians need to to recognize is that art is so subjective. So you know, that right there should tell you that the imposter syndrome about your art specifically, and you know, what you're talking about is banjos, but you know, in the, in the musical sense. Setting, you know, like people enjoying your music is a lot of times very subjective. So, you know, that that should give you a lot of insight and excitement as to you know what you're doing has has a lot of value. Just because one or two people might not like it, as long as you see value in what you're doing, and as long as you enjoy what you're doing and think it sounds good and and can see it fit, then mm -hmm. odds are other people probably will as well. And and that confidence shows in your work, right? And how not having confidence similarly shows in your work, right? If you do yeah. something with with a little bit of confidence, it's going to show up because you're not willing to to take those risks or do those steps necessary to actually get the job done right. You're going to be yeah. much more reserved at, at at doing those tasks. And yeah, it's, it's you know really overcoming that imposter syndrome is a very very hard thing to do, but it is it is oh so important. And and I think you know having the confidence to go out and, you know, just sort of go into these random conversations and be like, hey, you know, I'm happy to fix it and fix and help it up. And working with those ran random people, like the one thing that I've noticed to overcome imposter syndrome is you kind of just have to work and have people pay you for your work. Because the first <laughs> time you earn a dollar from your work in this industry, nobody ever feels, I haven't, I haven't met a single person that feels comfortable with the first dollar they made. They feel like they cheated someone or, yeah. you know, even if they charge $20 for this ridiculous project, they feel like they cheated someone. And, um, you know, the only way to get rid of that feeling is by kind of doing paid work and, 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 and continually, you know, just doing it, have confidence in your skills. And, and over time it does become natural, but, you know, I think really putting yourself out, it all comes down to putting yourself out there, which is, you know, a topic I've mentioned in, a couple episodes already, but, you know, you having that confidence and com comfortability to just, you know, even if it was an uncomfortable setting to go up to people you don't know and be like, hey, I'm, you know, I, I can help you with this problem. I can fix guitars. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to interrupt, but, you know, I, you know, I know you're ex experiencing this problem and I can help with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And most of the time people enjoy having their solutions or their problems solved. Mo like nobody likes having problems. People like having solutions. And so, you know, putting yourself out there has kind of just you know, allowed you to overcome that imposter syndrome, you know, I'm sure a little bit by just doing it again and again and again and, and having people, you know, once you do it a couple of times and people tell you, oh, wow, this, this works, this sounds way better, you know, thank you for what you've done. Like, once you hear that again and again, that imposter syndrome starts to go away, but it's very hard to get that to go away unless you're 
comfortable with the system, and nobody's comfortable with the system at the very beginning of things. So that's a very important point to to to, to know is you know everyone's going to have that level of imposter syndrome at first, but you kind of just have to persevere and push through. And over a couple of months of people paying for your work, you'll start to feel really comfortable with with what your worth actually is. And and everyone does have worth. There's no doubt about that. You all have skills, and those skills have worth. Yeah, that's that's actually huge. You know, when when you it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to go into that a little bit about, you know, I, I remember when I first started realizing that I was, that, you know, oh, oh, I can charge people for work. Well, you feel bad, so you sort of undercharge, you know. Yeah. And then, but the problem with that, because you, you know, you just, well, I'm, I haven't proven myself yet. And yeah, that's, that's okay in the beginning a little bit, but you got to get over that because I found this to be true with both instrument repairs as well as with session work or anything. If you undercharge, people will assume that you're worse than you are. You know, yeah. and 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 also what you charge attracts a certain client. Like the che- the cheapos that are going to want a whole bunch for a little bit, those are going to be ones that are navigating extremely on price. But those good clients that the most of the clients that you want, they're not really going to be looking at price essentially. And if they see a, a price that's really low bottom tier, like you say, they're going to think that you're not that qualified. And 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 it's just the nature of you know biases and perspectives. When you see a lower price, you you, you think of a lower tier of work, and and that's just the consumer mindset that is unavoidable. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, it it really is because I mean, it's I've experienced that and I found that out the hard way, you know, cuz I used to do that. Well, I had one client that had me working on this high-end Martin guitar mm-hmm. and I tried to undercharge him and he like he gave me an earful, you know, he <laughs> he was like, "No, I'm going to pay you more than that because you need to you need, you need to charge appropriately for your work." And he kind of taught me that lesson. And then I realized, "No, it is true. Um, it is true." And so uh because I used to do the same thing with sessions, you know, it's like I would do a 2-hour session, "Oh, how much do you want for this?" And I'd be, eh, you know, 50 bucks is fine." Well, now Yeah, it's just a rough. Yeah, it's yeah. like now it's like 100, 200 an hour minimum. Yeah, like, like you know. Well, you know, if somebody uh my you know, my rate for if somebody wants to hire me for their live band for a couple of shows is $300 per hour. Uh yeah, it, in, in terms of the gig, so and that that's also covering my time learning the material, you know. So right, you, you know, if it's a half hour set, I'm making 150 bucks. If it's an hour set, I'm making 300, etc. Um, and that's that's just that's just the way that it works. And the funny thing is that when I when I started asking for those rates, um, I started getting more jobs because people were like, "Oh, this guy was recommended. These are his rates." He must be pretty good. So my rates aren't ex- super, they're not super high, but they're not right. but they're not low enough that people think that I suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it's definitely, you know, hard to find that pricing balance at first, right? Like cuz that imposter syndrome makes you want to charge low and you you know, it's so hard to find that balance at the beginning, but it really is important to not undervalue yourself from from the get-go because it can it can, you know, set you back a year or two to to try and catch up and really, you know, fix those mistakes. So it's, you know, it's it's important to to know the value of your skills and 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 you know do a little bit of research on what a lot of other people in the industry are charging and and you know make sure you're not am- among that low ball because your skills are worth it. Yep, exactly. Awesome. And so you know I always like to ask this little bonus question as well, just to to sort of see what wacky exciting projects um so or projects are out there. So what's the most exciting project you think you've ever worked on, from session music to gig to fixing banjos to whatever? What's the most random exciting project you can think of? There's nothing super like weird that I've ever done, but mm-hmm. 
one really cool thing. I, I think my favorite. I think my favorite project I've worked on. Uh, um, ah, man, this is a tough one actually because, uh, well, I, I really enjoyed. I mean, as a, as a session musician, I've really enjoyed working with Leah Marie Johnson. Um, that was kind of a thing that sort of fell into our laps uh, randomly. Yeah. Um, but it, it was sort of uh, that was really fun because it's 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 pretty well outside the box of what I was used to in music, and mm-hmm. so I got to kind of challenge myself and experiment, and 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 uh, a lot of fun stuff came out of it. And now it ends up being the kind of thing that I do pretty regularly. Um, but getting to be creative in that world is is pretty neat. I don't really do any writing for that situation, but I do write my own right. parts, but the songs are written already. Um, yeah. As far as banjo repairs or guitar repairs go, the weirdest, the wackiest thing I ever, I don't know that, the, I don't know that I would say this was a fun project, but it was a good challenge and I learned a lot from <laughs> it. I once uh, had a guitar sent to me uh, that had been underwater for five days after Hurricane Katrina happened. And, oh my goodness, that's and, a story, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, they wanted to see if it was restorable, and I got it up and running uh, some, my goodness. somehow. <laughs> some, yeah, that's impressive, I gotta say. That is, uh, I wouldn't have thought that would have been possible. I didn't either when I looked at it, but it, <laughs> it, it, it worked out, and the guy was happy, oh. so... Amazing. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you so, so much for coming on. I think this was, uh, I think this turned out really well. I think there's going to be a lot of exciting talking points in this episode. Um, Where can people go to learn a little bit about more, uh, a little bit more about you and possibly, you know, reach out if they want some session work or some, some repair work? Well, uh, you know, I, I I could always like, there's the, uh, I can be reached through the Deering Banjos website. Um, So that would be, you know, D-E-E-R-I-N-G. B A N G J O S, sorry, dot com. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the service center has a link to my email if somebody needs repair work done. Um, and then, of course, there's there's my Instagram, which is underscore Sam underscore Steven with a PH underscore. Um, that's my Instagram. People can reach out to me there for anything, really, so whether it be session work or repair work or any other number of things, um, or just to be friends. <laughs> Awesome. Friends are always welcome around here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sam. This has been a delight. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Yeah. Cheers. Cool. Cheers. All right.